Hey guys, just a couple things before we get into uh, the latest episode of the podcast. First of all, it's so good to be home from California. I'm back at the beach, surf casting, uh, going for striped bass, just relaxing and enjoying the day. I'm doing what's uh, called uh, ruizing. That's right, ruizing. Ruizing to me is fishing on a day like this, just living in the freaking moment. Our pal Carl totally understood that. And I hope, uh, I hope you take that from Carl and use that for the rest of your life to really enjoy the moment with the people around you. And remember this, the future don't mean shit, the past don't mean shit. No, it matters right here, right now. Uh, the trip to California was a complete and utter success. Uh, the love for Carl out there was equal to the love for him in New York, which was equal to the love for him in Miami. Just so many great people out there, so many new friends and old friends. It was a great hang. I was invited out there by Guy Fietti because he's doing a very special episode of Guy's Grocery Games, which is going to be a tribute to Carl Ruiz. And we taped it. There was a lot of laughs, a lot of tears, uh, a lot of love. And I believe that episode's going to run somewhere around April 1st. It's like an April uh, Fool's Day show. And uh, a couple things about Guy Fieri. This guy is so unbelievable. The love and respect he showed uh, for Carl was just second to none. He threw a celebration party that was amazing. He opened up his house. Um, I was coming and going uh, to Guy's house off and on. Um, There was one party where it was for everybody that was part of the Food Network, a special tribute show for Carl. And then he he calls me and goes, Oh, you coming back to my house? I'm like, I thought we did it already, guy. He goes, No, man, I'm having a housewarming party, and I want you to be there. So me and Matt Farrer from the Smoking Tire, we, uh, we drove up, and right away we, we felt like we shouldn't belong here because it was really uh, mostly his friends and family. And this is the type of guy uh, guy, guy is. He, uh, he had us at his dream home that took a couple of years to build, and he threw a party, check this out, for all the people that built his dream home. And Guy got in front of everybody at the party and thanked every single person for making his dream come true with his dream house. That's the type of guy Guy Fietti is. Uh, I, I'm proud to call him um, a friend of mine, that's for sure. Um, but uh, the trip uh, to California was really, really a success. And I must say, I was flying back to New York, missing my family. Somewhere in the middle of the country, the sun was setting beautifully over the clouds, beautifully. And I was just looking out the window. And um, I was playing some songs off YouTube. And I was playing one of my favorite songs, which is The Talking Heads, This Must Be The Place. So just picture that song's playing in my headphones. The sun is setting over the clouds in the middle of America. And for the first time since Carl's passing, I felt like uh, everything's going to be okay. And I started breathing for the first time uh, since his passing. And everything just felt right with the world. So I think we're going to get through this. A lot of people still really, really hurting uh, and having a really, really tough time with this. And, man, I certainly understand that. We've done, I think, eight episodes for Carl. Some people are saying it's too much. Some people are saying it's not enough. I just feel like, uh, you know, it's it's my responsibility to, to do as much as possible for Carl and make sure that um, everyone that wants to speak about Carl and tell a story uh, or show their love towards Carl gets that opportunity. And with that said, I think we're going to be doing another podcast from um, 
Pig Beach. It's a big event in Carl's honor. It's happening November 16th. It's right around the corner at this point. Tickets can be purchased online at pigbeachnyc.com. We're talking over 20 chefs, both barbecue and Food Network people, volunteering their time and talents to cook many of Carl's favorite foods. Basically, it's just going to be an all-out party. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you can meet the people that Carl spoke about, uh, for example, like the Fox Brothers, Sam Jones, Bill Durney, Pat Martin, to name a few. Uh, the U-Bonds people will be there. The Barbecue Ninja, the Princess uh, will be there as well. Um, Carl's brother George is going to be there I'll be there And a whole bunch of people that you know and love from this podcast Certainly will be partying at Pig Beach on November 16th I hope you go It's going to be a great, great time Make sure you get your tickets now, okay? All right With that said, we're going to move into uh, the latest episode of The Opie Radio Podcast Kind of pissed because I'm just watching my rod And it's not bending at all But it's still a beautiful day out here um, so listen, I really don't know what to do with this podcast. Uh, when Carl died, my first thought immediately was to just, you know, just stop it because I built this podcast with Carl in mind and now with him gone, it just makes it very, very tough to move on. So I'm, 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 I'm taking my time to try to figure it out and I hope you don't mind. But also I know I still got a lot of audio, uh, of me and Carl before we started this podcast I was doing Facebook Lives, and I was calling them uh, pop-up shows. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, I don't know, 10 or 20 hours of just me and Carl just bullshitting, pretty much pretty much doing the podcast before we started the podcast. So I was digging around, and I came across a really good hour where me and Carl went to Gephardt's, that great beer joint uh, on 72nd Street on the Upper West Side in New York City. And we were just sitting there hanging out. Carl just came from a meeting at Peter Luger's, and that meeting was uh, him, you know, getting it together for La Cubana, which would become his his restaurant. So this is like, this predates La Cubana, uh, and he met me, and uh, we just sat there and laughed our asses off, and uh, he talks about how great Peter Luger's is, which it is, it's a great steak joint. Over there in Brooklyn, some asshole New York Times um, critic gave it zero stars. Just nonsense. Just a guy that wants to be me, 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 me. Look at me. Look at me. Giving Peter Luger zero stars is ridiculous. I would rather listen to uh, Carl and what he thought of Peter Luger's, which he does in this episode. Uh, and we talk about many, many other things. There's a lot of laughs in this. So I hope you um, enjoy this, the latest episode of the Opie Radio podcast with my pal, Carl, who will not be forgotten anytime soon. Oh, by the way, also, you get a taste of Angry Vic uh, during this episode. So, And thanks for, you know, reaching out to me and my family and everyone else that knew Carl. It's uh, It's been tough, but, uh, you know... We're all going to get through this, so without further ado, enough of this palaver. Let's do this. Uh, 
call just came from Peter Luger's where he had a big what? Big big time lunch? Dude. Were you wheeling and dealing? Wheeling and dealing. I yeah. was with uh, restaurant royalty. I, I go, I, t I call my buddy, uh, picks me up in a Yukon, he's got a driver, but like a white driver. 35 year old white guy that has like a family or something. Why, why are you surprised he had a white driver? Because I thought it was going to be one of my people. I, I don't get the white driver thing. What are you talking about? Like he, like, if you're really rich, you get a white driver? I think you're wealthy, you have white staff. Ah, alright. Like when I, when I had a restaurant in Prince Edward Island, my dishwasher was a white woman. Like, the first day of work, she brought me an apple pie. I'm like, <laughs> what the what hell is that? I'm going to beat you with this thing. Like, you know how much work we have to do, Brenda? <laughs> That's white. That's <laughs> really white. She's like, it's going to be a pleasure working with you, chef. Oh, I'm like, God. shut up, Brenda. Was Brenda all right in the end? What do you mean? Was she a good worker? El Stinkaroo. Really? Oh, she had like, she like, tell me about her kids. I'm like, I need teacups, lady. I don't care about your buck tooth kid. <laughs> Let's move it on. <laughs> Did you end up firing her? I don't know. Yeah, gloriously. Everyone's like, you're a monster. You're from another planet. Yeah. Because no one's ever fired Brenda. Right. Because she shows up with her pies and her bullshit. Well, you, you can't. You're, you can't. You can't fire someone if they show up with a pie. God. And I ate the pie. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> so Brenda was gone. So this guy had a Yukon and a white driver. White driver. So so we go. And wait, wait, who is this guy? Did can't you tell you. Can't tell. You. Big big deal, guy. Everybody else. You in trouble? Did who get caught? Who got caught this week? Who's in? You know, the whole restaurant business is a little sideways right now. But um, why is the restaurant business sideways? Well, it's sexual harassment. Shit. So um, who is the dude that got in trouble? Uh, Maribotali. Did you see what he tweeted? I thought it was the best thing ever. You saw it, right? He had a cinnamon recipe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Bro, let me tell you something. My wife pointed out to me, like, if you didn't, what's his name again? Barry Vitale. Vitale, sorry. So he's the latest victim in the whole Me Too thing, and uh, he sent out like a mass email, yeah, like to his fans, yeah. and it was like, hey, listen, I'm sorry about roughing up them chicks, yeah, and here's the best cinnamon bun recipe. <laughs> Bro, my phone lit up. It was every chef on the planet was like, don't you do it, like telling me, because you know me, I want to. Sure. Lean it, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I you can't know what? Believe did that. that takes fucking. Balls. Oh, he's got balls. He's got balls. He gives zero fucks about anything. Really? He owns like a lake in Michigan. He's out of here. He don't give a fuck. Bro, he owns Italy. He's worth half a billion dollars. But but to add a recipe on the on the end Just of your apology, a real. Oh my <laughs> god, that's awesome. I loved it. Yeah. So, um, wait, people are asking what we're drinking. I'm drinking today a cider. Is it an apple cider? No, it's pear cider. This is a pear cider. It's a German pear cider. It's really, really nice. Yep. Carl picked it out, and then you got, you got like a chocolate stout bomb. I got an evil twin from Brooklyn, uh, double double chocolate stout, chocolate Jesus, it's called 12% land missile. That's a bomb. This is a mohop. Ebony and ivory. Uh, it's not grapefruit cider. <laughs> so the guy in the Yukon, so we go with the white driver, picks you up for a big fucking meeting. Right. So we go to Peter Luger's. So I go to Luger's a lot. I never went to Luger's like this though. This guy gets out of the truck. I'm behind him. 
everybody, I mean, you're talking waiters that have been there for 50 years, are high-fiving this guy. Really? Like he's Pete Rose. Really? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, they recognize him? Not only recognize him, but they're like, all right, so we sit at the bar, two dark beers come up, no order. I do the old waiter guy that who I talk to all the time, but the only time reason he talks to me is to give him 50 bucks. Yeah. So we, we get there. All of a sudden, the owner of Peter Lewis, the son of the, of the lady that stamps all the meat and stuff, hey, what's going on? Sits right between me and him, so now I'm just staring at the dude's back. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to get to meet the owner of Peter Lugers. Right. Because I got a list of demands. I'm like, see, that one time you sat me by that window and it was drafty. <laughs> and then, you know, what's up with that? Why do I always have to sit in that room? You know, I hate that room. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like, I have a list of things I want to clear up here. So we were there. It was already after lunch. And they made us the hamburger anyway. So we got hamburgers for an appetizer. What? Well, I saw your Instagram. So yeah. you had a cheeseburger for an appetizer. Yes. And what, they don't serve it after lunch? No. Really? No, you can only you can only get it during lunch and Who during the week. Who the fuck has an appetizer? Uh, a cheeseburger as an appetizer. Delicious. It's made out of the trimmings of a three-week-old dry porterhouse. Yeah. So let me tell you. And the onion on the bottom with the perfect cheese on top. I mean, you want to talk about a textbook perfect cheeseburger? I'm sitting there. I look at the guy I'm with. He looks at me and goes, fucking right, right? I, go, I never had it. Really? I didn't, first time I had it. It looked amazing. I'm never there at that time. But then after the cheeseburger, then you go in, all well, in with the steak. We had a nice porterhouse. That's, that's, I don't know how you're doing. God bless you. I was sweating. I crushed these people in the subway on yeah. the two coming here. Yeah. Everything moved around, and I had to yeah, drop some fuel out of the wing. <laughs> <laughs> Over the sea of Japan, <laughs> yeah, let some gas loose. And it was, a, it was just like a, almost like a, like a skunk spray. Like my tail went up. And like a, yeah, one of those. It was like the first time you put like a trumpet and you don't know how to make yeah. noise. So. <laughs> those are the worst smelling ones. Oh, it singed some hair. Like it was when I fart in my house and my wife and my kids go. Ugh, I'm like, that's not the one you have to worry about. The loud ones are easy. No, the loud ones. It's the. Like, like my, I used to always tell, I, I used to tell everybody, the loud farts are thunder. It's the quiet ones. That's the lightning. You know what I mean? That's what's going to kill you. Thunder don't kill you. Waiting for the thunder. So a couple things about Peter Luger's. I haven't been there in a while. Do the homies still park the cars outside? Yeah, yeah. They do, right? Yeah, everything's all the same. And that's the, that's so they don't fuck with your car. Nobody fucks with anything. Else. No. Well, back in the day, we went to Luger's here and there, and you, you pull up. And then you have to give the homies money, and they watch your car, and, and basically tell the other homies, don't fuck with this guy's car. Yeah. That whole thing's still going on there? Yeah, and then some dude shows up with his rental from Michigan, and he gets raped. Yeah, because he refuses to pay the yeah. homies. And the homies are cool there. And next you know, you, you come outside, you got one windshield wiper outside. <laughs> right. It's a great scam. Oh, it's, it's a great scam. Like, that costs you money. Right. So here's what blew me away. I've been going to Peter Luger's for 20 years. We, we eat. The owner comes and sits with us while we're eating. Talking to us, nice. talking to us about shit that I don't think I should be knowing. You know what I mean? Really? But he's talking to this guy, and, and they're talking about some real shit. And I'm like, like a kid in a candy store. Now I feel like I'm part of the group. It's like I jump in, uh, dead silent. I was gonna say, when did you realize you really weren't part of the group? Immediately. <laughs> so, so like they're talking like this, and then they're talking about some st some steak company, right? Oh, that guy's a piece of shit, and this and that and that. And that. And I'm like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. They're like, he's our friend. I'm like, yeah, 
Alright. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, not so much a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, I just spent it like in a yeah, fun way. Merry right. Christmas. <laughs> How did the rest of the meeting go? How did the rest of the So the meeting went great. We cleared up some stuff. Did he behave? Yeah. Or were you firing some Jim Beams? No. Really? When I go, when I go there, sophisticated coral show. I only had three Jim Beams. That's all right. And I just I wanted to really enjoy it. the the meat's so good there. You don't want to anesthetize your mouth. First time in my life, I finished the steak, and the guy goes, "You want some dessert?" Now they have make schlag there, which is unbelievable. I know the schlag. What is schlag again? It's basically sweet butter. Right. <laughs> and it's whipped to an inch of butter. It's it's whipped cream basically. Right, but it, they whip it so much. Right. Remember, you go from milk to, to whipped cream to butter. Butter, right? It's right between. So it's butter. In, it's in between whipped cream and butter. Yeah, schlag. Dinner's over. Lunch is over, and we got the cream spinach and everything. Guy looks at me, goes, you want another steak to take for the kids or nothing? I says, no. I said, I have to go see Opie. You know what I mean? How about a steak for the Opster? No. I don't, know, I don't know what temperature you want, and then you're not going to eat it, and then you, you know what I mean? I'm going to eat the steak. I'll eat the steak every time. There's no way you can make me feel bad because I didn't bring you a fucking steak. <laughs> <laughs> I can weird out. <laughs> you're, like, you're like making faces. Like, so you didn't bring me a steak from your lunch? Who talks like that? <laughs> Did you bring some of your lunch food? Did you bring some of your tuna for sandwich food? If I went to Peter Luger's and someone said, you want a steak for the family, I'm taking a steak. And then I would probably give it to oh my God. We would be eating steak right You think like a runaway, though. Like, what am I going to do? It's, they're nice enough to have me for lunch. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll take another steak. You can't do that. I'm trying to be fancy. So what's going to happen with this meeting? So, oh wait, so the, so the guy comes up. Yeah. I, I've been going here for 25 years, 20, 25 years. Never in my life. Owner comes up, says, it's on the house. I just about, I just about melted. I said, in my life in New York City, I've never seen someone get a free wow. In my life. Wow. Um, this guy's gotta be pretty powerful. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's just like the meetings I've been having lately. <laughs> I said no to too many of those like lower jobs now. Oh, like all the jobs that when you would call me? Like, oh, these people call, but I... Oh, yeah. You give me the kitty paw? Nah, nah, kitty paw, nah. But it's in the middle of striper season. There'll be more offers. You literally said that. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be more offers. Oh, wow. Yeah, what are you going to do? The last pop-up at McDonald's was crazy. Dude. I'm kind of mad at myself that uh, um, that the camera, first of all, was on you for half of it. You're mad? Imagine me, everybody calling, making fun of my face. <laughs> <laughs> just so people know, before I put that uh, wood chipper video together, I, I just tweeted it again. I actually, I actually called you because I'm like, ah, I hope he... I know he has a sense of humor, but I'm like, yeah. I had to get your approval on that one. I thought it was a funny thing. Because it's a brutal close-up of you just fucking crushing it. Crushing McDonald's for a half hour straight. It was delicious that day. That was fun. Oh, my God. They really like it. So I got a second call from my mom. Really? That her friends are saying that I'm on Facebook eating and cursing. <laughs> <laughs> And then we did, and then the same day we did the pop-up 
a little bar right on the street here on 72nd Street. Oh, my God. My, one of my favorite bars. Yeah. rules. What's the name of it? McCohonic. They should get it. Oh, you don't want to tell people? No, because I don't want people to go there. I love it. Like when I post the breakfast sandwiches, like the owner's like, hey, Brown, do me a favor. I don't know who follows you, but they don't—they definitely don't have a driver's license and a car. They come in here drooling. I want Carl's sandwich. <laughs> well, you're a big deal in the foodie community, my friend. So then we went to that bar, which is close to here, and, uh, and then we ran into uh, the Kelly finally. So we meet well, up. First of all, that pop-up was awesome. It was awesome. Vic Henley comes firing in, on all cylinders. Comes in drunk, firing in all cylinders. Basically walked into that bar with a flamethrower. Oh, God. That <laughs> only got roasted. No one was safe. No. That's okay. See? Well, I'm uh, hanging out with celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a stage You're like future Paul. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'll hit him. I will hit somebody. You don't like Paul, do you? I will hit somebody for the first time in the third grade. <laughs> David Brenner just died. Yeah, we know David Brenner. I don't care. Oh, Fuck I, him. Right. Good yeah. answer. You didn't think he was funny? <laughs> We just did his act. We just did his act. Uh, big girl, who, who? People are saying Vic sounds tipsy. Oh, I'm hammer. Are you kidding me? I love Kevin Brennan. So he's like, hey, Obi's working at a car wash. I'm like, no, he's not. I couldn't believe they were taking all that shit so seriously. Well, you're not a good we person. We were literally... You're not a good person. <laughs> you're not a good person. You've never been a good person. <laughs> I can call 11 people right now on my phone. Absolutely. Uh, uh, maybe. Uh. <laughs> he got you. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Because every now and then I go... I'm sorry if that was too mean. He's like, nothing too mean. He's the first person to tell you. Point guard. Yeah. Point guard extraordinaire. Yeah, he is the best. No, he would actually, you know, if, 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 if. Nobody runs a I ever like had it down where we're not filming somebody in the bathroom. <laughs> He's an assassin tonight. I still no. I still get. He's like, he's got the Gatling gun. No, he's still fucking outlaw Josie Wales. Outlaw Josie Wales. Outlaw Josie Wales. Totally. And uh, I was taking biology in high school, and the teacher comes up to me and goes, "What's biology in high school in Alabama?" It means uh, no. It means yeah. Don't fuck your sister. Celine Dion. Celine Dion is what about a uh, Alanis, uh, Alanis Morissette? Shit. She's a pile of shit. Celine Dion's a pile of shit. Fucking pillow. She's having no. the best song in the Titanic. The Titanic awful. is the best movie ever. She's the worst fuck. She may be the worst candidate ever. Why? Why? Give her husband Why? cancer. You know that, right? Because there's no lyricism. There's no writing. There's no. And I don't even. And I'll give her the voice. But I. The voice put the, is incredible. I'll put the fucking. Well, then we get the voice of the voice. We don't fucking need that. <laughs> And I'm going to pass the savings on to you guys because you were with me at the I end. don't believe you, Mark Bear, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> or at least a steak dinner at Peter Lindbergh. I'm just trying to make Carl laugh. Steak <laughs> dinner at Peter Lindbergh. And I got nah, fired over it. Whatever. So they're like, well, you're no, an asshole. So everybody knows we that. We really want. <laughs>
If you're leaving the door open, I'm taking it. If you're leaving the door open, I'm taking it. I love. I'm not giving ang up. Angry big. That's not angry. Full of fat. If you're leaving the. I love you. In the meantime, Carl's coming to my house for dinner tomorrow night. <laughs> what is that about? And you're not invited. <laughs> angry big. <laughs> what are you talking? You just made that up. Uh, of course. I'm not, I'm not even home tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to come home late and be totally disorganized. Wait. Carl's calling Marie for me right now. What the fuck are you talking about? At least he's off me. You pet the tiger. <laughs> you pet the tiger <laughs> down <laughs> syndrome. Now. <laughs> I missed you, man. I really did. Hey, fuck. I wish I could say the same about you two. Where's <laughs> <laughs> Canada? This works. Ah! There Whoa. you go, loser. <laughs> Aren't you? Hey, we will talk Say to it. a wall. How's that at you and me right now? What do you do for a living? <laughs> uh, oh. He'll talk to his like, beer bottle. Right. Let me. You're right about that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of miss no, I'll give you. I'm no. gonna give you the. I, no, I'm not, not bad. I'm not a bad person. I don't know. So, we don't know sometimes. <laughs> then fuck both of you. OP Radio. And then I went home, and you guys went out. Oh my god! How so bad was it? It was awesome. Really? So we go uh, dinner, and we meet one of my friends, who she's a chef on the Food Network, also. Yeah. And she's from Kentucky. And Mr. Sugar Glider, Squirrel Salesman, Vic Henley. They have this language when true Southern people hook up. Yeah. It's like watching Mutual of Omaha, like a main call. The chin starts going and the weird feathers come up. They, are, they were talking. It didn't even sound like English. It was like, I'm like, what the f is that? I, they, they speak hee-haw. Yeah, they speak hee-haw. And they're hee-hawing back and forth and laughing and high-fiving. I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And then we go, we have this beautiful dinner at a place called AG Kitchen. I made the mistake of ordering sangria. Vic Hensley, 50 caliber. Boom! Battleship. Fuck you, fuck. At the bar, just fuck you, fuck you, fuck this. Unbelievable. Why does he do that? He throws that fuck yous like they're hellos. <laughs> right. Like, I've never... And then he'll do that little... <laughs> <laughs> you fun it today. You're fun it today. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Big surprise when I'm funny. And he's he's just talking to her. This Food Network girl, he's talking to her about everything. And they're having a great old time. And she's having fun because he's so over the top that she can, you know, let her hair down and talk about And then... She leaves, but now Vic is hopped up on Sangria. We ain't going nowhere. We go get Sherrod Small. And so me and Vic Henley jump in a cab. He must have thrown out 80 fuck yous in the cab to nobody. Just blanks. And while that's happening, it's due to the election, right? So Roy Moore, we don't know if he's going to win or not. So he's like, fuck you, pedophile. Like, it was awesome. We go to a country club. Oh. oh. Get a room. Hey, what's wrong with you? What? You can't fight. I'm going to have to fight all these people. What do you mean I can't fight? You're not going to fight. You're going to buy my Vimo. My Vimo. I can fight. Yeah. Come on. How good? 
How about I smack that drink out throw you against this window? Do you want to fight? That would be so much fun. Dude, I'll turn the camera around. There's a whole bunch of garbage. Actually, are you fighting? No, I don't want to fight. I just had a, I'm not going to ruin a perfect steak. Alright, so you go and get Sherrod. Get Sherrod and then we just Mistake. No. How is that not a mistake with Vic Henley? Well, first of all, we have to land Vic Henley at this point. Vic Henley, you walked into a room full of comedians. And then everybody was saying fuck you, and you couldn't. I know that guy. Who's that? I smoked pot with him at the Almond Brothers show backstage. He lives in my building. He looks homeless. <laughs> it, it's that's how we dress around here. <laughs> Why the fuck would you want to dress like that? <laughs> I really got annoyed with that guy backstage at the Almond at the Beacon Theater close to here. But you waved at him like you had an affair with him. You're like, no, I'll tell you why. Because my building has a lot of dirt bags, and no one talks to anyone. He's one of the only ones that's social and nice. You hate the people in your building, bro. I, 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 absolutely. We all got kids around the same age, and, and you walk in the elevator, and people look at you like, Who are you? I've been getting on this elevator with you for 10 years. And he's still, I just looked it up. We've been in that building 10 fucking years. That's a long time. And people look at you like you're a stranger. I'm like, Jesus, dude. But what year did they build that building? Um, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, maybe? You got in there pretty Ish. new. Ish, yeah. You got in there pretty new. I want out. Do you really? Yeah, we're looking around. I want out. I want out. Remember what I told you? Don't don't move anywhere old in New York. Remember what I told you about the bugs and the fucking rats and the mice. And the mice. Yeah, but I had a place up here on uh, Columbus And it was Avenue infested. And 71st, right where the, uh, the old John and Yoko coffee shop used to be. I was like two brownstones down from that. It was a legendary place. Can you know of that place? I hate the Beatles, so no. Ah, supposedly, not supposedly, they had pictures. John and Yoko would walk to this joint every day, Ooh. sat at the same table and had their cappuccino or coffee and had a little snack. They should have killed Yoko that day. Oh, hey. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um... So anyway, and, and they saved the table they sat at every day, right. and it was it was a conversation piece for all these Beatles fans that came around the world. They would go there just because they knew John and Yoko would, uh, would have coffee there every day. Oh, it's awesome. And then they fucking, this is why New York City is just a terrible place, and I know you don't like the Beatles and all that, and that's fine. They fucking, the guy can't afford the rent anymore. This place was legendary. They had like, um, they had like uh, uh, celebrity shots in the wall, but from another era. Like opera stars, yeah, yeah. And like turn of the century, like these people were famous, like in 1910, right. and they had a whole wall of these people, old actors, old opera stars, Broadway stars. You, you didn't recognize or know any of them, but it was just a cool, uh, a cool piece of New York City history. So they can't afford the rent anymore. You would think somehow the city would like step in and go, well, this is a pretty legendary place. It's been here for at, at least a hundred years. Plus, John and Yoko used to hang out here every afternoon. They fucking, the guy couldn't afford the rent, they sell the place, and it turns into a hardware store. Yeah. And people lost their mind, like, are you serious? Well, if you had, a, if you wanted it, buy it. That's what capitalism is all about. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that uh, not one Beatles fan with a lot of money stepped up and said, look, let's try to save this joint. But anyway, I, I lived like two brownstones away from there, and uh, 
we were infested, infested with mice. Oh. Infested. There's three mice for every person at this well, stupid I, island. I, I, uh, I brought it up on the radio show back in the day. Right. And Jimmy goes, if you have one mice, you're infested. Yeah. And I didn't believe him. Like, no, it's just one cute mice. Uh, mouse, excuse me. I was gonna think. I was thinking, like, isn't it mouse? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm stupid, so I'm like, wow, I must, I must have been saying it wrong for 40 years. <laughs> but I remember the first night I, I slept in this brownstone. I finally got a place, you know, in the city. I'm a Long Island kid. It was right after 9/11. It was early two. 2002. I sleep in there with my air mattress. My shit's coming the next day, and I'm just so happy. I have an air mattress, an empty apartment, and I thought I was seeing things in the middle of the night because I felt like something was running across the floor. And I'm like, ah, I think I went out that night, so I'm like, ah, you're just drunk, you asshole. Just go to sleep, right? That was that was the mice just moving around the empty apartment. Because, you know, eventually I learned, you know, that the place was infested and I was killing them left and right with an electric trap. So, that's disgusting. Yeah, live in a new building. Just always don't go for the old buildings. I remember my, my now wife we were dating. Oh, it says, it's only when Carl talks that the sound of everybody off his jack-o'-lantern teeth. <laughs> wow, you are loud. <laughs> so my now wife, we were dating, and I, I got his burritos, and we're watching a nice movie, right? And she's got a blanket on, and all of a sudden she goes like this with the blanket no. to fluff it, no. and a mouse goes flying across the room. And I'm like, uh, I guess I should tell you, I think this place has mice. And then another, I think it was the same night, then one was on its two back legs, begging for the burrito. That's how many mice we had. They were starving and, were, and didn't care that they were out, you know, out. Uh, that is disgusting, isn't it? That is absolutely disgusting. And then I was killing them with the glue traps, which was... But they're still alive. It's the most depressing thing, especially when you get a baby and it's just... It's whole ears, like, stuck like this. <laughs> and its arm is stuck and you're ripping the mouse off the glue trap because now you're, now you're trying to save the thing. And then you're ripping a limb off the thing. You're like, well, maybe, maybe it'll survive in the wild. No. Because I had a little uh, outdoor space. I would throw it out there. Why? They would come right back in. And then I would cut the glue traps around the mouse to give it a chance to survive. I'm like, this is terrible. So someone finally turned me on to uh, the electric trap. Yeah, you zap them to death. And I was up to some like 60 or 70 kills, and then I stopped counting. Every, we, we would be in the living room watching movies, and, my, and the kitchen was right around the corner, really close. And, you know, we only have one light on around the couch, the TV on, nice romantic setting, drinking some wine, whatever. And all of a sudden you'd hear, oh. Got another one, I'd have to get up, empty it into the garbage pail, and sit back toast. down. Another one. Uh, it was. We we did not miss that place when we finally got out of there. But anyway, oh, that God. steak feels great in my belly. Huh? I had a really good lunch today. I usually have good lunches, but this is a great lunch. Did you get anything done? I got a lot done. A little place for the Opster? What do you mean? Whatever. I don't know if there's a little something going on with you. Oh no no, this was all personal. This was all personal business. Oh. But it's a famous person? In our in my world it is. Ah. Not famous like movies. I famous know. like the Daily News and the New York yeah. Post. <laughs> I'm gonna shut my mouth. Now. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Right. I, I figured it out. Alright. Um, oh 
people want me to, to uh, finish the story about the Boyer Motel. I want you to finish the story about it. So we were at the McDonald's pop-up, and near the end, I was talking about this documentary someone turned me on to called Voyeur. It's on Netflix. The, the Netflix documentary, Voyeur, stinks, but, but it's based on a book called uh, Voyeur Motel. Right. Which Gay Talese, famous author, I, I didn't even know he was famous, but people told me that he was really he was famous. famous right? And he wrote this book. Um, basically, uh, this guy contacted him and said, look, I bought a hotel back in the late 60s, and I bought it for the sole purpose to watch people. So he set up the whole motel with like a, a crawl space above, more than a crawl space. He could walk, so he would just walk from room to room. He was comfortable. So you know the the um, yeah the street motels where it's all ground level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he could walk pretty much yeah a corridor above where all these people slept, and no one could hear him. He set it up so it's pretty much soundproof. He had a little door which was about six or seven feet off the ground. So you had to get to the door uh, with a ladder. And every once in a while, people go, what's that door? He's like, ah, it's my attic for storage. But it really was for this whole world. And so he documented uh, everything that was going on at his motel for many, many years, and then contacted Gay Talese, who wrote the book, Voyeur Motel. It's a, it's, a it's a very erotic book, very erotic. So that's incredible. Very erotic, and he saw some shit, and he would play with the people too. So can I be honest with you? I, I find that intriguing. I would like to do that. I'm a voyeur. Are you? I think most people are voyeurs, though. I would love to do that. If, if you saw like across the street a couple having sex in that window, you're, you're watching, right? Oh, as long as I can. Of course. And when you walk, you you kind of look up and hoping that you might catch something, right? Absolutely. Okay, then you're a voyeur. I think most people are. I love being something new. If you live in a high-rise building in New York City, you realize most people are voyeurs. Because you see them see it, looking looking around? No one has shades or drapes. No one. You can look into so many apartments if you live up high enough. And then you also, because I went to B&H and I, I bought a bird-watching scope. It's not an actual telescope. Wait a so last pop-up, I find out that you're a rollerblader. You're a bird watcher? I haven't rollerbladed in years. But you said you were a rollerblader. When it was here. <laughs> Where am I? Okay. So listen. Mark for Mark. What the fuck? Why'd you... A bird watcher... It's like a scope, right? It's like this. It's almost like a sniper scope. Yeah, but it comes with a tripod all night. So you're into bird watching. Well, you got you got to go to my choose your words carefully. No, I'll, no, I have no problem telling this. So, like, I, I, I would these windows all over New York. You're like, holy! And you okay, see you're into people, people watching. Yeah. So you go to B and H, and you're like, so you say the bird watching thing's better than binoculars. Well, the binoculars have gotten really good. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I, that's one thing I don't know. Like Bushnell, like that company? Is that what you're talking about? Bushnell's a good company, yes. Really good. Anyway, Holy shit, you know a lot about this, don't so, you? So, I go to B&H because I want to up my Voyeur game a little bit, right? <laughs> I like that. All right, you have my full attention right now. I want to up my Voyeur game, and there's a there was an area at the time. I haven't been to B&H in a few years now, but there was sort of like a telescope slash bird watching slash blank area and there's a guy that was working at the time was a bit creepy and I go uh, Dick Cox and you I love Dick Cox oh I thought he was the creepy one that's a guy's name um, and so I go up to the guy and I don't know how to say it 
without, you know, like high of a creep. Yeah, looking like a, a, a perp. I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, I got a, I'm, I got a hobby. I like, uh, I like looking at birds. Birds. <laughs> In the middle of Manhattan, because I didn't know how else to break the right. ice. Like, so I like uh, I like going to Central Park and looking at the birds. <laughs> he totally knew right off the bat. Dude, the guy rolls his eyes and basically goes, "Come with me." I was pretty much the tenth guy of the day. No, easily. Because then they had such a display. Every every did you just fart? No, might have been me. Got some leakage going on. I was laughing. I maybe I didn't hear it. You want to check your pants? No, it's not one of those. You sure? You're a little, you look, I think I'm alright. You seem a little concerned. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I got this bird washing scope. Right. And the first thing you realize when you start kind of looking around, you're like, oh my god, there's so many people with telescopes. And they ain't looking at the fucking stars, buddy. So you see everyone has a telescope. A lot of people. I wouldn't say everyone. Have you ever met someone that was looking no, at a telescope? And and I honestly haven't seen much. Really. What's the most you've seen? A couple, uh, couple women walking around naked with like an older guy. So I, I'm not sure if the older guy owns the apartment. Because there's an apartment. I'm like, I finally I, I finally hit gold. Right? You zeroed in on the naked. I hit gold. It was like um, the top floor of their building. It was right next to us. I'm like, holy fuck, this is it. I finally got something, right? And I got to check them out. I don't remember anymore because this goes back a bunch of years. But I, I checked them out off and on probably for a week or two. And then um, one day I went to my, my, my bird watching scope. And I, I looked in to see what was going on. And all I could see is an empty apartment. Oh, they They're gone. Moved. They're gone. And that was that was more or less. Every once in a while, you'll see like a a woman or or a dude completely naked going from one room into their bathroom. Right. If you saw someone kill themselves, would you report it? Well, that's that's part of the the Boyer Motel. What do you mean? Yeah, of course I report it. Why would I report it? Boo! It's none of your business, creep. Let people kill people on the, let them get caught by the cops. That was a trick question? Yes! You failed! You were just quizzing me? I did quiz you. Well, what kind of killing is it, though? Well, who cares? It's none of your business. Mind your business. I, I usually mind my business. Not if you're like, officer, officer, I caught some murder on my bird watching scope. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> You're going to rollerblade to the police station? Yeah, yeah, that's, right. yeah that's me. Look, look, cop on a horse. So the book is really good. It's called Voyeur Motel by Gay Talese. It documents all the stories over the years. Really erotic. But this guy was sick because he would set up the rooms. He would put, like, uh, sex toys where the Bibles would be right. in the drawers just to give them stuff to play with to try to push, push them getting into it. And he would leave pornography magazines and and whatnot. And um, he also would do a. I mean, this guy obviously was bored. He would actually make believe he was on the phone when people would come in and go, "Hey, I forgot her name, but Dorothy, let's say, hey Dorothy, uh, you know, uh, room two hundred eight. Uh, the guy's saying he left a briefcase with ten thousand dollars in it. Did you see a briefcase in that room?" And she'd go, "No," because she was in on the gag. And then the people would go to their room like, holy fuck, and look for the briefcase. He would actually put a briefcase in the closet. And he'd run upstairs to his little spot to spy on them to see how they would handle the briefcase. And he basically, incredible. basically nine out of ten times, the people would take the briefcase, 
they would open it up. It was locked. But they would find any means they can to open it up in the room, find it was empty. But they're now not going to go to the the motel manager and say, I found a briefcase and it's empty, because then they're in a weird spot, because they don't know if this, they're assuming this whole thing is real. Right. And then um, one of the story goes, I think this one was in the movie and not the book, I'm not sure. But then they would take off the briefcase and get rid of it and then come back to their room. Guy was, the guy was fucking weird. But this guy saw a murder, supposedly, in 1977. From when when he was above. It was some kind of like... Uh, so the writer turned into a voyeur also. This guy brought the writer up to check out the spot to show that he was legit. And this writer, Gates Lease, was uh, corresponding with the motel owner for about 30 years before he decided to write the book. Because he was waiting for enough time to go by. Or, Statue of limitations. Yeah, yeah, of course. So everyone would be safe. But supposedly, when Gates Lease, the, the writer, checked it out for the first time, he's leaning over, and his tie went down into the vent and was hanging above the bed, just kind of flopping. And the guy grabs him and yanks him up like, you got to be careful. Holy shit. The book was very believable, but then when you see this character in the, in the documentary, they, they did it wrong. You, you, you think the guy's a little fucking, he's a little bit of a whack job and loves the attention. I believe he was a voyeur, but I think he's probably made up some things. Because then they try to find out about this murder, and there was nothing on the records. I think it was in uh, Colorado. There was right. nothing, nothing around that time uh, of a murder that uh, occurred at this motel. So now they're thinking that guy might have made up that whole story. I could story. explain that easy. Yeah. Well, because if there's a murder, the cops are going to be all over that fucking place. They're going to find out that guy's little voyeur thing. Right. So he got rid of all the bodies. It's his hotel. It don't matter. I'm trying to remember how it played out. It felt like the murderer got Opie across the street with the bird watching scope. You know. I feel like he saw the murder go down. Because the motel owner, it's coming back to me a little bit, he was pissed off because the guy was a drug dealer. So when they were out of the motel for like an afternoon, he went and hid the drugs in like a heating vent or something. And then the guy came back freaked out that he didn't have any of his drugs and beat the shit out of his girlfriend thinking she had something to do with it. And then he claims that when he was watching from above and then the guy left, that she was breathing and she seemed like she was okay. And then the next day he went to check again and she was in the exact same position. And then realized, oh shit, she's dead. But I can't, I can't tell anyone I saw this happen because like you said, it blew up the spot. So then, I believe how it was found out the maid found the body. So Gate Talese in this documentary, and the documentary uh, guys, they were trying to see if this whole thing was real, and it was a dead end in the documentary. It seemed like they couldn't find any info. It's called Voyeur Motel. The book is really good. I'm going to read it. Really good. But I don't know how to read You don't read books, Carl? I don't read books. You've got the internet and YouTube. Why would I read? Reading is, is good every once in a while, no? For who? Fucking Prince Valiant? <laughs> I'm gonna drink beers and eat steak. <laughs> watch YouTube. <laughs> oh my god. You watch any of the football yesterday? Um, I watched the Patriots pull off something that I've never seen before. That game was insane. That was like the Super Bowl level excitement. That was insane. Absolutely. Um, I sat at my local bar and I watched it. I, I had a rough night, you know, because it was the first time I lost on grocery games. Oh, yeah. I meant to tell you. What? I meant to tell you that it's too bad you lost on grocery games. You watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Tell me anything about it. Sure. There was a competition. You were wearing a hat. No, not the show. Guy Fieri is like... Guy Fieri... What? 
he's like, uh, three, two, one, go, but you're not sure you're supposed to go. And then he laughs because he got you again. And no, this was, a, this, was a this was a charity one. Guy Fieri wasn't in this show. Oh. Ah, I must have seen a rerun. That <laughs> <laughs> ah. Ah. I was at Target. <laughs> Just tell me you were at Target, dude. No, the real story is I checked my Twitter and... Uh, and everyone's like, hey, hope you see Carl at Grocery Games. He won. And then I find out that you told everyone to tell me <laughs> that you won. Because like, I know you're not checking. I know you're lying. Then I'm in a complete panic because, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to support you. And I realize you're on Grocery Games. But we were at Target and we were driving home uh, from somewhere else. So then I'm like, how do I tell him I didn't see this thing? Just call me and say I didn't see him. He'd be fine. <laughs> so if I can... Um, so yeah, so I I was uh, I was waiting for the social media onslaught that was going to come because I'm undefeated. But nobody, everybody was supportive. Hey man, no problem. And, you know, we got a lot of people out there. Everybody was really nice, but I just I got wasted at my local bar. So you went to your local bar because you were bummed that you lost. I was bummed. It was a charity event too. Right? It was a charity for Alzheimer's for my dad. And, so then, uh, but I thought, you know, I was like, let me go get drunk because social media is going to fucking me. But no, everybody's nice. Yeah. It was really cool. But uh, what's great is uh, next year, which I already filmed, uh, they bring me back in. Yeah. And I kick some heads in, boy. You can't say that? I, I'm sure. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> Did, didn't you write something? Did you sign something? I've, yeah, I've, sometimes I forget it's just me and you talking. That's cool. Good one for you. Uh, yeah, so I couldn't watch grocery games and I was in a complete yeah. panic. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid me, I actually fished this weekend. But there's no fish. No fish. I, and I know there's no fish. They're long gone. Not a bite. They leave. Nothing. Just like birds. My fellow fishermen, not they were nowhere to be seen. And I'm out there like I don't. You thought you were going to bucket. You thought things were going to... Nature doesn't... No, I, I mean, I, honestly, I knew, but I felt like maybe there was a straggler, a striped bass that's, like, a little <laughs> a little wobbly, a little behind. Oh, my God. Uh, what are you going to do, Opie? Huh? <laughs> Let it go. Let what go? I saw your face. It's just people are trying to, like, get me to talk about dumb shit. Don't leave that alone. I let bygones be bygones. I, I, have, I have let bygones be bygones. You know, Other people for some reason can't move on. It's really strange to me. Good, man. Let it go. I'm drinking out of an empty cup. We've got to get drunk. I'm going to go get your beer. Yeah? yeah? Talk to everyone. All right. Let's talk to some people here. Same thing, Carly. Ooh, Carl is walking down the steps very slowly. I think he's holding in a shit, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's no one's fault there, Zuck. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop. stop. Just stop. I wasn't the only one that was a problem. Everyone had their problems. And that's, uh, and that's what I'll say about that. Everyone had problems on that show. Not just me. Not just me. You think he's brown capping? Yeah, Carl is, uh, he's turtling. How he just walked down those stairs to get a couple more drinks, he's turtling. He's got problems right now. What is that? Same shit? Oh, thank Show you. everybody. So this is what I'm drinking. And then I switched up to one of my favorite. Oh. Dragon's milk. Ah. A 
Eleven percent. And, and then okay, keep talking. You were talking about something. Hold on. No, I'm just. I was just saying hi to everybody. That's all. And people want to know if I'm paying you. That whole pay thing is coming up again. Why? People. People think I need to pay people to hang out with me and do radio with me. This is the nonsense I got to deal with. When I was moving on for the last version of the show, I, I've explained all this. I wanted to pay uh, a few of the guys that were really, really um, uh, helpful to, to putting the new radio show together. And I wouldn't sign my contract until I got money from my guys. And for some reason, people are spinning that like it's a bad thing. And that I actually held out to get money for people that were helping me with the new radio show. And I, I felt like they shouldn't be coming in for free. So why is that? But who, who, who said that? Ah, well, that's that's getting into the weeds. I don't yeah. feel like doing okay. that. But I will say this to like the normal people out there. It's amazing that people would spin that. I actually wouldn't sign a contract because they were going to give me about $100,000, I'll tell you the number, for my co-host. And I refused to pick the co-host they wanted me to have. Who did they want you to have? Ryan Seacrest, you should have picked him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've gone over that in the, whatever, but... Uh, they wanted me to have, uh, you know, like an A-lister, someone with a big name to do a radio show with. I'm like, no, I like this group of guys I'm right. working with, and I don't want them coming in for free day after day, so I'm going to pay them like they're my co-hosts. So they're like, well, you give me 100000 I'm like, no. So I held out, and I finally got 200000 that I spread, I spread the, you know, the wealth right. to Sherrod, Vic Kenley. Good for you. Uh, Rich Voss, who, for some reason, that's a problem with Rich Voss. I'll, I'll never understand that. I saw him the other day. Yeah, good for you. Anyway, Say hello. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, um, the one person that should have got paid, there were two people that should have got paid that didn't, but I couldn't take care of everybody. Um, but I also felt like some of these guys were coming in and, you know, it was helping their ticket sales. So I felt like there was some worth to it. Like your business went up in Marie's. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I feel bad I didn't pay Mark Norman because he was one of the guys on the fence. But I, I called him up and we had a really good conversation about it. I actually apologized to him because I really felt like he should have been one of the guys. But I couldn't take care of everybody and I only had 200000 And if I had three... Oh, so that's... Wait a second. So I, I could vouch for this. So those were the conversations that you would have with Roland, with Bookie. Yeah. So he would come in. I remember this. He yeah. would come in during the commercial break and say, who do you want for tomorrow? Oh, yeah. And you'd be like, I have this much money left. Yeah. Bring in one free guy and one paid yeah. guy. I remember that. Yeah, because I was running out of money and the other part, I've explained all this, but the other part is I threw in my own money for this too. Right. So I don't know why this is a bad thing that you're trying to take care of people that were good to you. It was so weird. And then I'm going to say it, I have to. I, I ended up giving Carl a check near the end there because I felt, I felt like it wasn't right that you weren't really getting yeah. paid. Out of your own money. That was all my, that was a, a fat check that I threw in your car because I knew you wouldn't take it. We would hang outside the building after the radio show and I knew I was going to give Carl a nice check. And I'm not bragging, but if we're talking about this, I want all the info. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm leaving. And you come, you go, wait, wait, wait. Like, I you're slow already, down. You're already in a car. I'm in my car driving. I'm in traffic. Midtown time. Manhattan. You can't stop. You can't stop. And you run up. So I bring down the window. Like, you tell me something. You throw a check. And I'm like, I'm like, fucking Opie. I'm going to rip this right in front of him. And then I see that number. I'm like, I'm not going to rip this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I kind of started telling Carl, look, I got to give you something. And he's like, dude, you were one of, I mean, that's why me and Carl are friends. Like, you, you never really asked me for anything. I can't tell you how many of these guys expected a lot of right thing to do. What? So 
I waited till his car started pulling away. I ran up and just threw it at him. And then I ran away, like, because now he can't park the car. And what are you going to awkwardly come in the next day with the check? Yeah, it's, it's going to get worse and worse and worse now. So, yeah. so the people out there. So I came home with like the white Christmas tree, like Goodfellas. <laughs> nice. Hey, Karen, I bought the best, best tree they had. <laughs> Very nice. So, you know, there are people out there trying to spin that that I have to pay people to hang out with, which is, which is so twisted because I was just trying to do the right thing for people. And, you know, I, I messed up with Mark Norman. Uh, Bob Kelly bitched and complained about not getting paid. But the weird thing with Bob Kelly is he wouldn't sign a fucking contract. And Sirius wanted these guys to sign a contract before they got paid. And then he spun that in my face after the fact. Because he said at the time, like, look, I just like coming in here. So, all right. But then for some reason he went off on me for not getting paid. I'm like, dude, you know there was a contract that you refused to sign. This is shit I have to deal with all the time. Whatever. I just, I, Enough of that. Here's what I think. I think, um, can I be honest? Yeah. I think a lot of this... If it's too honest, we're going to fucking fight in that garbage pot. Okay. After. No, no, no. It is very honest. I think a lot of this is bullshit. I think a lot of it is the fact that these guys are just talking on podcasts and stuff. They got nothing to talk about. And you're the biggest lighthouse in the room. You know what I mean? They're just talking crazy. Like... You can't be a grown man and right. be upset that you're getting paid to do a gig. Right. It doesn't make no, sense. No, the other comics were getting were, were getting upset, but it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I'll, I'll speak for the Opie and Anthony days. If you were a comic coming on Opie and Anthony, right. it didn't matter you weren't getting paid. Your ticket sales were going through the fucking roof. Right. When we met Jim Norton, he wasn't, he wasn't making what he's making now. Right. And, I, and I'm, that's no slam on Jimmy or anything like that. He's a talented guy. But... Yeah. These guys came on the show and all saw, saw their ticket sales go through the fucking roof. Right. But when I was putting a new show together, I knew the guys that were working. It was a small group of guys. And, and, and most of the people that were with us near the end know the guys. But I, and then there were, there were fringe guys as well. Right. And those are the guys that I sort of feel bad that I couldn't give them a little taste. But like you said... You know, because you heard our conversation rolling. I was in a panic every day. Like, every day. Uh, I, I remember this conversation uh, every day. I know Doug Benson's cool, and he wants to do a whole week. That's cool. Then I don't have to use any of the money Can that remember, I'm running, running Doug out Benson. of. Doug, of course I do. I love that. Remember that time we brought that bottle of vodka, and Doug Benson drank the whole thing? I love Doug Benson. Wow, he's he's another angry drunk. He could put him away. <laughs> remember him just, like, running his mouth? Shut up! Then he's like smoking pot in the studio. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We had some good times in there. We had some good times. Yeah. And then some bad times. No, not really. Yeah, but you know the worst time was when we couldn't go back. That was a bad time. Well, that's a bad time. That that is a bad time. (laughs) Look, I've been doing this for a really long time, and that last year... Is, it ranks right up there as one of my favorite years of doing radio ever. We had fun. And, you know, I I, I was, uh, you know, and I'm talking about the Opie and Anthony years when we were just fucking rock stars. But that last year, there was something about it. It was so easy and it was so fun. That's funny. You know, it was one of my favorite years. We had a good Without time. A we had a good Without time. So I was fishing, and I didn't get a bite. And I knew I wasn't going to get a bite, but we, we just went and you know chilled for the weekend. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go fish for a while. Um, and you were telling me about the tuna. 
Oh my god, tuna's are incredible. incredible I want to go tuna fishing so fucking. You let me know. We'll go to Canada. We'll go tuna fishing. Oh, I got the guy. One of the guys from Wicked Tuna. I think it's the guy that has a real shitty boat. He invited me a bunch of times. He was, he's a fan of, uh, I guess, Opie and Anthony back in the day. I don't know how far. Just, he goes. A, just a hint. You don't want to go on a shitty boat for tuna. You're going out far, man. Yeah, but he's on. But he's on Wicked Tuna. Or he was. I don't know if that show's still on the air. I know people that are on cake and baking shows on the Food Network. I wouldn't eat a goddamn cookie from that. Is the cake boss an asshole? <laughs> no. <laughs> he seems like an asshole. No, he's not. I could say it. He's not old. You know what it is? He's like Rocky in Rocky 1. Really? Yeah, he's just a simple guy. Simple guy. A little too simple? For, for media, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, a, a few people think you're turtling. What does that mean? You got you got a poopy uh, sticking out a little bit. Just how you walk down the stairs. You look like you were really holding something in. Did you see what I ate for lunch? I'm surprised shit's not coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it's not a tur turtle as much as a gopher. It just comes out real fast and looks around and stuff. But I'm feeling it. Um, so I'm gonna go tuna fishing. We're gonna do that. Tuna fish is awesome. I, when I was in Canada, I hung out with the Japanese tuna fish guys. On, really? Yeah. These these tunas are so fast. You know that when they're hunting, they go 60 miles an hour. 60? 60 miles an hour. For real? Like boom! It's it's one of the only fish that's body temperature is hotter than the water, even though they're cold-blooded animals. That's they're one giant muscle. That's why they're red. The giant muscle. There's no fat. No fat. This is the athlete of the ocean. They are incredibly fast. And, how and they're vicious, son of a bitch. Really? Vicious. In what way? Just vicious with each other, vicious in the schools. Whatever they encounter becomes complete fucking chop suey. I don't, I don't feel bad about eating sushi now. You should eat. And how far do they fucking travel? I'm going to tell you something to help you in life. In life, this is why you should always remember this. If anything is alive, if it was bigger than you, it would eat you. Well, yeah, of course. If an ant was bigger than you, it would eat you. It would destroy you. We're the only ones that have this stupid compassion. Sort of. I have none of it. Yeah. Uh, hang out on Twitter and you realize no one has compassion. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah, but, savages. Yeah, but Twitter's normal people, too. They're, there's a lot of people that play characters on Twitter. You know what I mean? That's their thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they they live in nowhere America, and their wife looks like them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you start looking like your wife. You start looking like your wife and your basset hound all at the same time. How far can tuna travel? Around the globe. You know, if, they, if you're catching them in, in Canada, they're they're going to Japan. Same thing. Same distance. They travel. They're nomads. They they're. They open their mouth and eat and go a hundred miles an hour. They're unbelievable fish. And if you ever see one whole, it looks like a bullet. Completely smooth. They have these very small little tracking fins that are that just correct their course because they run in really tight schools. Tuna is in I, I I study them because I'd love to eat them. Are we gonna, are we gonna run out of tuna? No. You don't think so? No. You don't think they're overfished? No. Is that all bullshit? Yeah. Because Japan just gets away with whatever the fuck they want. Japan is crazy. That's I, where most of these problems happen, right? Because they, they don't have Japan, no regulations. Japan is a very smart culture. When Japan started, in its, inf in Japan in, in, in its infancy, 
they really, with Buddhism and everything, they tied in, don't harm animals, land animals, and stuff like that. Because Japan was very hard to farm and had a rocky soil. You don't realize a lot of religion is a scam. It's just a way to control a lot of people. And Japanese culture depended on the ocean, which freed up a lot of their land. You know what I mean? And it, it hasn't been overgrazed or anything. That's why they don't. They really don't drink milk or dairy. Do you understand? I don't have the Japanese don't do dairy? No! Why? Their desserts are made out of bean curd. Really? It's incredible. They don't, don't do a lot of dairy at all. They, but don't they know how delicious dairy is? You're asking me if I know what a Japanese guy knows? But that just doesn't make any sense. How? If you ever go to a Japanese supermarket, right. they don't have they don't eat potatoes, they don't eat potato chips. They have bags that look just like a potato chip bag, but it's full of dried mini crabs or dried mini shrimp. They eat dried shrimp like you eat potato chips. I don't like that. You don't like that. Why wouldn't you like that? Is it delicious? Well, you should listen to them. They make this stupid camera. They make everything. <laughs> They're smarter than we are. <laughs> We're eating potatoes dying at age 27. But it, but it, wow. they're, they're doing, obviously, they're doing something, right? They, do, they know how to do everything. They built a Toyota. Toyota's a good car. Yeah. All right. What else, Carl? I want to go home. You do? Don't you? Yeah, I think we did it, right? Yeah, we're done. Any, uh, any last questions? Uh, Carl's got to go home. He did his Peter Luger's lunch. That was some lunch. Up. You want to go get hot dogs? And, uh, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's get some hot dogs. That sounds good. We're going to get some hot dogs, everyone. Cheers. <laughs> 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 <laughs>